This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. It's September 11th, and this is episode 259. You are invited to join me and my dear friend and longtime co-host, Rebecca Hoffer of simplyrebecca.com, as we give all of you a little peek into what it's really like to work in the online space, complete with all of our vast insecurities and also the things that we love. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. Hello and welcome back, Awesomes. You are listening to the show that is all about helping you find conversation, friendship, and community. Whether you found us through Facebook or Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, from the recommendation of a friend or from our other show, Awesome Today, it's truly awesome that you are here. Again, this is episode 259. And today I am joined by Rebecca Hoffer. Rebecca, hi, and how are you? Hello, Meg. Hello, Awesomes. I am doing well, plowing through this new start of a school year, holding on tight for dear life, but we're making it. (laughs) Hold it on tight. (laughs) You have kids who are mostly at school. I have all of my children schooling at home. So we're like, I feel you on the just hanging on tight and we're just, we're making it sort of. (laughs) Sort of, yep. Day by day. Sort of making it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, awesomes, I have to tell you, it is a rainy and dreary day in Oklahoma City, but getting to sit and talk with Rebecca today is definitely bringing the sunshine right to my life right now. Rebecca, you're my honorary sunshine of the day. So thank you for bringing your bright, smiling face. You're welcome. To our conversation. (laughs) And yeah, and speaking of bright and cheerful things, you guys, I am so excited to tell you that after five years of Sort of Awesome, we finally, finally have created a proper merch store. Now, in the past, maybe you have checked out on our website. We had a little link. We didn't talk about it a whole bunch. We did have some sort of awesome merch t-shirts and notepads and coffee mugs that you could buy. It was on a printing platform that was fine, but I was just never really super thrilled with the quality of merchandise through that platform. But now I am so excited to tell you we are launching Sort of Awesome Merch Store brand new again. We have moved to the wonderful site, TeePublic. TeePublic, of course, hosts merchandise for many, many podcasters, many YouTube creators, and then also just all kinds of artists that create their own art. They want to sell it. They put it on TeePublic. TeePublic has incredible t-shirts and mugs and notebooks and face masks, anything that you could want to put a little sort of awesome something on. They've got it over there. And we have had a great time getting the store stocked just for launching. And I've got to tell you, I've got plans for more designs to go up in the store very soon. But if you would like to go ahead and go check it out, we are so excited for you to be able to do this. You can do it very simply by going to sortaawesomeshow.com slash merch. That will take you right to our storefront at TeePublic. I do want to offer, if you are going to get a t-shirt, this is something I always tell people when they're ordering from TeePublic please do make sure to size up at least one size. I've ordered from many different stores on TeePublic. I love the t-shirts that they have. They have a variety of men's and women's fit. They have a variety of blends of material. I love their Tri, I think it's called Tri Soft Cotton. It's so super soft, but I will say across the board, you're gonna wanna size up unless you like a really, and I really fit a (laughs) t-shirt, which if you do, (laughs) hey, you do you. More power to you. (laughs) But I will say that their extra large t-shirt definitely fits like a large on me. And I like to order even the men's cut t-shirts. And so even in the men's cut, I say size up. So that's my little caution for you guys as you're getting ready to go check that out. But truly, they have so many different things that you can find over there. And I'm really excited about getting 
our merch store up and off the ground. Rebecca, it has been a minute since we even started talking about what should we do for merch around here? And now we finally have it. I'm so excited. I'm really excited too. I think when you said that our other merch was fine, that that's like the best way to describe it. It was fine. It was (laughs) fine. It was just fine. You know, they're mugs, like our old mugs. I feel like they're actually, they were pretty good, but I was disappointed in some of the other stuff. Like it was just, it was just fine. So I am really excited for this awesome upgrade and I can't wait to get my hands on my own stuff. It's going to be exciting. Yes. Yes, exactly. I'm with you. I will say that the other store that we had, I did like their mugs and I actually have gotten mugs from different podcasts and stuff through the years, people using that platform. And then the mugs actually were fine, but I mean, Everything else, I just was always a little bit bummed out about how it turned out. But with TeePublic, again, I've been shopping TeePublic as just a customer for years. So I am so glad that we are over there now. So yay. Well, as I teased at the beginning of this episode, Rebecca and I are going to be sharing with you guys some insights, some truths, some maybe a little bit vulnerable things about what it's like to work in the online space and like the real talk, the actual tea, brew up your tea. We're going to be spilling a little today. <laughs> Not bad though. I don't know. We'll see where the conversation goes. We'll Rebecca. see where it goes. <laughs> and we're going to get to that and our awesomes of the week in just a few minutes after this quick word from one of our brand new sponsors. Okay. Awesomes look in your closet. Can any of your workout leggings brag about their buttery softness, their two handy pockets, and a high-rise waistband that always stays put and promise flexibility without being see-through? Well, Sweaty Betty thinks it's time that you had leggings that could do all of that and more. For over 20 years, Sweaty Betty's five-star rated power leggings have helped women crush their workouts because no other athletic brand can compete with the Sweaty Betty power leggings expertly placed seams and squat tested compression fabric that physically give your booty instant peach emoji status. Quick drying and pocket equipped, these leggings are high-waisted performers. Take their quiz at sweatybetty.com to find your perfect style and choose from a wide selection of strategically cut patterns. The Sweaty Betty Power Leggings opaque fabric, adjustable drawstring waistband, and back and side pockets make staying active look sexy as hell from head to toe. Now I got a pair of these power leggings and I have to tell you, they are not kidding about how these just are so soft. You can't even believe it, but they're also so strong. I did a couple of squats in my kitchen to check out that seam reinforcement they've got going on. And you guys, it is legit. From London to LA, over a half a million happy bums count on Sweaty Betty to help them look and feel incredible. So awesome. Now through November 1st, Get 20% off of your entire purchase when you visit sweatybetty.com slash awesome. This is the best offer Sweaty Betty has available anywhere. And it's because you deserve to look amazing before, during, and after your workout. You're going to get 20% off of your entire purchase at sweatybetty.com slash awesome only until November 1st. That's spelled S-W-E-A-T-Y-B-E-T-T-Y.com slash awesome. All right, Rebecca, before we get to spilling the beans and giving this little peek behind the curtain of the realities of online work, let's go ahead and start this episode the way we always do with our awesomes of the week. If you're new to sort of awesome, then let us tell you that awesome of the week is the moment in the show where we stop and talk about, well, whatever is making life a little more awesome right now, whether it's a book or a TV show, a movie, a podcast, a product. We just cannot stop talking about some of the things that are making us so happy and we want to share them with you. So Rebecca, what do you have for Awesome of the Week this week? I am so excited about my Awesome of the Week. It is the book One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. It was recommended to me. I was tagged by Joni in the Sort of Awesome Hangout group on Facebook and then She thought that it was something I should be reading. And then Katie jumped in and said, Rebecca, you needed to read it yesterday. (laughs) And I have read it. Oh my, yes. I'm reporting back. Yes, this book was made for me. It's absolutely amazing. They were not wrong. So the book centers around Beatrice. She goes by B. 
She's a plus-size fashion blogger and a huge fan of the reality TV show Main Squeeze. She ends up writing a think piece about how there needs to be more diversity in the cast. Where are all the plus-size women? And it goes absolutely viral. And the Main Squeeze decides to reach out to her and ask her to be the next Bachelorette. This book is pretty much a mere copy of the show The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, which is so much fun. And here's why I like the book. So number one, it's fun. It's light. It's, I would call it a closed door romance, meaning that, you know, sex may be referenced, but it's not getting too steamy in the details. It's just a good, easy read. Fun escape. I also really love that it shows kind of like behind the scenes of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette as, you know, what we as fans of that reality show are watching is obviously heavily produced and very edited. But in the book, you're not just like watching as it would play out. You're like there, like you're hearing everything from B's perspective. So you're there for the conversations with the producers. You're there when she's talking about why am I supposed to wear this versus wearing this? Or I don't want to be put in this situation. Or who should I keep and who should I send home? And all of the things that happen off camera, you're privy to all of that, which I find just really fun and fascinating as a fan of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. I also really love the writing style of this book. It incorporates a lot of really unique elements that we aren't seeing necessarily in a lot of books, but a lot of like modern day technology, modern day communication, There are copies of emails. There are text message threads. There is uh, Twitter threads. There's commentary that's written on blogs or other kinds of entertainment papers where you're able to see like how is the public perceiving having a plus size lead in this show. There's group chats between people who are like doing a poll uh, like fantasy football, but for The Bachelor and they're chatting back and forth about the show. It's so fun to see how society and the audience pretty much is responding to the show in real time. So The big reason, though, why I'm loving this book is because of the commentary that it provides on society's standards for beauty, on fat shaming, on the realities of the plus size community and the reality of what are we watching on TV when we are seeing not just in The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but on So many of our programming, we are seeing a very slim version of the American woman or the international woman. And when that is taken away and a plus size woman is dropped into the equation, how is that affecting absolutely everything else? How does that affect her? How is that affecting her suitors that are on the show? It's incredibly fascinating poignant. I would say it's important. It's necessary. It was fantastic. It was such a good book. Highly recommend. Again, it's called One to Watch by Kate Stamen London. Oh my goodness, Rebecca. I am so excited that you picked that for your awesome of the week. I have been hearing buzz about it in different places. It seems like a lot of people have picked that up this summer. I myself have picked it up. I have it on Kindle. My Kindle tells me I'm about 10% into it and I am loving the setup so far. So I cannot wait to dig further into it, but I really loved how you talked about the bigger issues. And I think that's so interesting because you and I, I mean, you've brought me along into the Bachelor Nation fold so that we could enjoy the Bachelor franchise together, which I have highly. But what has been fascinating to me about enjoying that show is not even so much what's happening directly on screen, but you know the social commentary aspect of it is so interesting when it comes to all of the fans and their opinions and bringing different perspectives about i mean this particular book is dealing with body size body image those types of things but also in real life the bachelor nation talks a lot about like race and 
class issues and all kinds of things that really do deepen the experience. But at the same time, you can totally see where the perspective of this book is coming from because people also can be like so mean (laughs) as well. So yes, (laughs) yes, most definitely. And I really feel like this book did such a good job of pairing those two things together, like the fun and the fluff of the show with also, oh, but wait, what is this saying about society? Which is exactly how I really like to watch The Bachelor, as you were saying. Like I listen to podcasts specifically to like scratch that itch of, but what's the deeper message here? Where is this show becoming problematic? And what should we be pushing against? And I feel like this book really pairs those two things together in a really fantastic way. Totally agree. Totally agree. Okay. So that's called When to Watch. We'll put a link in the show notes for that. I have a book this week too, Rebecca. I'm really excited. Look at us. Look at us literary ladies with our two book selections this week. <laughs> We're so, I am so sophisticated. I, I mean, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> That's how sophisticated we are. It's hard for us to say sophisticated. <laughs> I am so excited to tell you guys about this book. I will tell you all, I've had a little bit of a reading drought since quarantine began. I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, self-help, self-improvement type stuff, but I have not read much fiction until this little book came into my life. The name of the book is They Wish They Were Us. It's written by author Jessica Goodman. I actually heard about this book recently because Jessica Goodman was a guest on another podcast I listened to. And as they talked about the book, I was like, oh my goodness, I think this book is for me. Kind of like how What to Watch is for you, Rebecca. I think you're going to like They Wish They Were Us as well because it has overall, a really strong Gossip Girl vibe. Ooh, and sold, sold. Yes. (laughs) It's very Gossip Girl-esque in the sense that it takes place in the setting of a fancy hoity-toity prep school. I will say there's not as much going out and partying as you see on the show Gossip Girl, which you and I both loved Gossip Girl. But it definitely has that sort of how the other half live vibe to it. But not only is it Gossip Girl, it's also a murder mystery. So you're getting quite a page turner. Yes, quite a page turner when it comes to this book. So here's the setup. It is senior year for our main character, for our protagonist, Jill Newman. She and all of her friends go to Gold Coast Prep School on Long Island. Now, when her class, who are now seniors, when they were freshmen, her best friend, whose name is Shayla, was murdered. And Shayla's boyfriend, Graham, is the one who confessed to the crime. He went off to like a fancy, posh, juvenile situation. (laughs) And the rest, Jill and her friends kind of like picked up the pieces and tried to move on from that terrible thing that happened. So again, that murder actually happens like before the book starts. So that's going on. So- A twist to the story is that Jill and all of her friends are part of this like secret society slash not really a secret at all society called Players. And it's this really elite select group of kids who are chosen. They're chosen when they're freshmen to be in Players and they're chosen by the outgoing senior class. And so they've been Players. They've been like the upper echelon of these prep school kids for all of these years. Now it's their senior year. Well, it's, you know, all set to be a great senior year, except for the fact that Jill starts getting texts out of the blue telling her that Graham, the boyfriend of Shayla, who confessed to the murder, is actually innocent. And so the story kind of evolves and unfolds from there. So I'll leave you guys with that because it is a murder mystery. I don't want to spoil anything. But this book has so much going on with it because we've got the murder mystery, which is sort of the overarching thing. We've got all the prep school details and all of this sort of like inside what we imagine it might be like to be at a prep school on Long Island. There's like little mysteries along the way, like little mini mysteries kind of along the way, which makes it so highly readable. And there's also some really, you know, it's so interesting that you're just saying this about when to watch, because I feel like there's some really interesting social commentary about girls and friendship and boyfriends and all of these dynamics, the dynamics of friendship and 
what's going on with friend groups, especially in those high school years. And I don't, again, I don't want to give too much away. I don't want to inform anybody's reading of this too much. But I will say, if you kind of take a step back, and maybe it's because I am a mom to teenage girls, some of this just like really stood out to me as the author is really exploring the dynamics amongst the players and then the, you know, the students who aren't players and all of these things that are happening with this little friend group at this prep school. So again, it's called They Wish They Were Us. It's by Jessica Goodman. Super readable. You can really just sit down. Once you start it, you're not going to want to stop until you finish. And it really got me out of my little fiction reading drought this summer. So I'm super excited about it. It sounds so good. Thank you so much for the recommendation. Totally. Yes. I hope the awesomes will pick it up and tell me what you guys thought of it too. So we will have links to both of our sophisticated books in the show notes for today's episode. Of course, you know, we love to hear what's going on in your life that is awesome for you. So we do that every Friday over on Instagram. That's sort of awesome show. We would love to have you join us in our Instagram community over there. And you know, we always do this every Friday morning in our sort of awesome hangout group on Facebook. If you haven't joined us now is definitely the time to come find us. We do talk awesome of the week every Friday, but we talk about all kinds of things during the week as well. So if you haven't joined us there yet, you can come find us at facebook.com slash groups slash sort of awesome hangout. Well, all right, friends, the weather is turning chilly and it is the perfect time to restock your sock stash. And you know, you want to do that with Bombas. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. They have literally rethought every little detail of the socks we wear to make them way more comfortable. Every single person in my family loves Bombas. Probably one of the biggest reasons is because there are no seams to make your feet feel all squirmy and weird inside of your shoes. And I've got to tell you, as a mom of many children, Bombas socks really hold up wash after wash. But these socks do more than keep your feet cozy. They help give back to the most vulnerable members of our community. Because for every pair of socks that you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. The generosity of Bombas customers has allowed them to donate over 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of over 3,000 giving partners. And the impact is more powerful than ever. To those experiencing homelessness, these socks represent the dignity of putting on clean clothes, a small comfort that's especially important right now. So, awesomes give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off of your first purchase at bombas.com slash awesome. That's B-O-M-B-A-S.com slash awesome for 20% off of your first purchase. Bombas.com slash awesome. Friends, please tell me that you have joined the whole chorus of awesome voices singing the praises of Billy. Every single week, we hear from more and more of you who are loving their Billy razors. And it's no wonder because Billy delivers premium razors and high-performing body care directly to you. There is no pink tax, no visit to the drugstore, and no breaking the bank. Go to mybilly.com to get their starter kit for just nine bucks, you guys. That includes their award-winning razor, two refill blades, and a magnetic holder that keeps your razor safe and dry in between uses. And... Billy is out to change more than just the way you shave. They just released three completely clean, must-have products that you could add to your self-care routine. They've got lip balm, dry shampoo, and face wipes. It's a great time to stock up. I love Billy. My teenage daughters love Billy. We cannot imagine going back to regular razors now. It really and truly is the smoothest shave I've ever gotten, you guys, and that is the truth. Go to mybilly.com to meet the razor that made everyone start talking about razors. They are on the Allure Best of Beauty winner list and on Nylon's Beauty Hit List for a reason. And to express a little love for Sorta Awesome, go to mybilly.com slash awesome. It's a small way you can support us while getting the best razor that you will ever own. It's just $9 to get your starter kit, plus free shipping always. Go to mybilly.com slash awesome. That's spelled my B-I-L-L-I-E dot com slash awesome. All right, Rebecca, we have an interesting topic to take up this week. And it's actually one that we sort of, well, we kind of decided at the last minute, you know what? Talking about this, talking through this would actually make a great show topic to kind of give you guys some background. 
we're going to talk a little bit about a blog post that was published last week by a very famous, very well-known YouTuber who we have actually talked about on the show before, Sophia Nygaard. In fact, Rebecca, you brought the wonderfulness, the awesomeness of Sophia in my life. I feel like it's probably been a few years ago when we were talking about YouTube channels. Does this ring a bell for you? Yes, I was trying to think of when I would have been talking about Sophia, but I think my personal history with her is that she was originally part of the group Ladylike from BuzzFeed. They are like a breakoff channel. It's a collection of women who mostly focused on like fashion and beauty and kind of like testing things out and experimenting with different things and different stylings and different makeup challenges and things like that. And then Sophia left BuzzFeed and branched out on her own to form her own channel. And she started creating these really like highly produced videos moving from videos on Ladylike that were maybe like 10 minutes to like videos that were maybe like 30 minutes on her channel. And I just ate it up. I loved it. I just loved her. Yeah, I adore Sophia. From the time you introduced me to her, I loved what she was doing with her channel because she does a lot. And when you say they're highly produced, I was watching some actually a few days ago after I had read this blog post and it reminded me like they're so well done and so well produced that you don't even think about like how complicated everything is that they do in their editing. Just to think about it from a production standpoint, they are so well done, but she'll take topics like sometimes she'll do like style through the decades. So she'll like pick four outfits from the seventies and put them together and talk about different styles in the seventies. And she's done that for each of the decades. Sometimes she'll make what she calls Franken products. So she'll like buy Every single, and I'm not kidding you guys, every single lipstick at CVS, take them, break them down, melt them together to make a Franken lipstick. (laughs) I mean, it sounds crazy, but it is incredible how fascinating it is to watch. (laughs) Yes. Or she'll decide she's going to take up a new craft. Like she decided she was going to learn how to make fancy soap. And so she would go through the whole process of buying the materials for that. She and her now husband, Tyler, they got married recently, but he's been in her life for years now. They put so much time and energy and thought into those videos. And I actually, I mean, they're highly entertaining, but also kind of educational. It's true. There are times, especially when she's talking about like style, how fashion has changed throughout time. There are times where I'm like, I feel like I am watching like an educational documentary. Like how the script writing alone that she puts into her videos blows my mind. I cannot fathom how many hours must go into every single video that she creates. Yes, totally, totally agree. So we're not actually here to be Sophia Nygaard (laughs) fangirls. This is not turning into a Sophia... Although we are. (laughs) I mean, seriously, that would actually be kind of fun to just have a podcast where you recap Sophia's videos. But here's an interesting thing. So Rebecca and I are both fans of Sophia, obviously. Now, like I said, she and Tyler got married last year sometime. It's been some months now. And they did do a video showing their wedding, which was gorgeous and very perfectly fit their personalities. But then shortly after they got married, their release of new videos slowed way down. I didn't watch Sophia right after she left BuzzFeed. I actually started watching her and watched through many of her archives a year ago last summer when Nico was born. And I was spending a lot of time watching YouTube. And I just noticed that they just were not dropping new videos very often. Now, me being me, I was like, is Sophia pregnant? I mean, good for them. Are they starting a family, you know? But people were wondering because it was getting to the point where it was just like, not only were they not dropping new videos, but they also were not really present on their social media channels. And I think a lot of fans were actually kind of getting a little bit concerned. Now, you know, getting married, even if you've been living together and have been part of each other's lives for a long time, that's a big life change. So, you know, there's some of that going on. But then Rebecca last week, she actually went to her blog, which she has kind of used intermittently through the years and wrote up a very extensive post that was titled, Where Have We Been? So 
I sent it to you. You said, you know what? I was about to send this to you to see if you'd seen it. (laughs) And before we even, we decided to not even talk about it to each other. We were like, let's just get on the mic and talk about how much we relate to what Sophia wrote in this post that she titled, Where Have We Been? So I thought we could just kind of talk through it a little bit because one thing that really left off the page for both of us as we read is that what she was saying about why they have not been online, why they haven't really been on social media, why they haven't been dropping new videos. It's not because she's pregnant and they're not having any problems in their relationship. But the things that she pointed out are really, really common things that many of us who've been working online in the online space for years know exactly what she's talking about. So we're going to kind of talk through some of these points with you guys and then share, like I said, a little peek behind the curtain of what it's like on the creator end of working in this space. So her first point was she really felt like that they had been experiencing and she personally had been experiencing a growing sense of failure, which you know, when you look at Sophia Nygaard, she's a really well-known YouTube creator. I don't know how many subscribers she has, but it's like millions. Yeah, it's somewhere in the millions. I'll look it up real quick. I was just thinking to okay. myself too, shoot, I don't know how many she has. I know, I should have said that. Good job, good job researching. I am not at Sophia's level of research. <laughs> okay, she has so, 8.96 million subscribers. That's that a lot of, a, that's a lot of eyeballs on your videos. <laughs> yes. That is not a small number. And yet she was struggling with this sense of just being a failure. And she writes that they just felt like they were chronically behind schedule and that they had been since day one. She talks about struggling with the fact that everything takes longer than she had planned for it to. And that no matter what they did to try to adjust their timeline, even try to pack in buffer days and try to, you know, schedule less and make the schedule more flexible, all of those things, even with trying to adjust, like recognizing like, oh my gosh, this takes so much longer than I thought and trying to adjust that they still always felt like they were running behind schedule all the time. She wrote specifically, she said, from the very beginning, I sort of felt like the channel was a wild horse that was dragging me behind it along for a ride or like a cartoon car slowly falling apart beneath me while driving until all that was left was the steering wheel. Oh my gosh. So if anybody can relate to that feeling of being, oh my gosh, chronically behind and like, no matter what you do, everything takes so much longer than you think it's going to. And Rebecca, I mean, I've experienced this was sort of awesome for sure. But even going back to my blogging days, I can remember thinking, oh, I need to do a post on this. and I'm going to put these pictures in and do these links. It would easily take me three times as long to actually do it as I even imagined in my most generous idea of how long it was going to take. Yes, yes, 100%. I have had conversations again and again and again with my fellow blogging friends that simply writing a blog post is so incredibly time consuming that it becomes a stumbling block. Like it becomes like, not just a stumbling block, but it becomes an entire detour in the middle of the road in my mental capacity of, oh, I should write a blog post. Oh, wait, that's actually going to take me approximately 5 million hours to do. I don't have 5 million hours. And then I just never start it. And I have so many blog post ideas. I just, I cannot bring myself to start writing them and flushing them out because I automatically feel like I'm drowning in the task because it's just so much more time consuming than I think that it should be. Yes, absolutely. And I don't understand why that is, but we're not the only people who work online. This is something I, again, going back to my blogging days, I remember people talking about how stinking long it takes to do a blog post when it comes to, you know, the behind the scenes of production stuff even writing show notes, like all of those things. It just takes so much longer creating the little show graphics that we put on social media, things that you just think like, I'll just go in and like beep, bop, boop, and then it's done. And then I got it. Oh my gosh, it takes so much longer. And I do think that it's one thing that maybe if you don't work in the online space consistently, you do kind of sometimes wonder like, what do you people do all day, honestly? But I do wonder if some of that has changed 
since so many kids have come home for virtual schooling, because I know my daughters who are working on school district issued Chromebooks and trying to navigate this online learning platform and everybody's trying to figure it out. They have said to me like, oh my gosh, this takes so long because my computer runs so slowly or it takes so long to log in. I couldn't even log in before this class. You know, I was late to the class meeting because it took so long. Like, I think that as people are maybe, I wonder, I wonder if as people are helping their kids to navigate some of this stuff that's more online, all day long online stuff, especially if they're feeling the same frustration that we're feeling as people who create our work online that, oh, wow, it really shouldn't take this long, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah, and I kind of wonder like, well, what is the problem? Is it our expectation that we just think it should be easy? Or is it like the perceived notion that as a blogger or a podcaster or somebody with a social media presence, that all you do is snap a photo, type out some words, quickly write some things and throw a link in or two, or just sit down and hit record, that the audience themselves is not seeing all of the to-dos that's on that list. And so... We think too, like, oh, the audience thinks that this should be like easy and fast and simple. It should be easy and fast and simple. Why am I not good enough at making it easy, fast and simple? Mm, Yes, totally. And so if you are a person who wonders like, am I just really ineffective? Do I just really struggle with productivity so much that I can't do this? you know, she starts talking about how it makes you feel like a failure after a while. And she's been doing this for years and years. And again, this is her and Tyler, their joint business together. They've been working on it together from the beginning. And after a while, it kind of sucks the energy that you have for what you're creating. It sucks the energy out of it. It definitely can suck the fun out of it. And then you start to really lose that momentum to keep going, keep going, keep going. And I think that's part of it too, is that in the online space, if you are creating content consistently, it's like, you always have to look ahead to the next thing, next thing, next thing. I know I have struggled with that, but sort of awesome with feeling like I can't even think of good social media posts to create around the current episode because my mind is already in production for the next episode. And it's, you know, it's just like week after week after week you are putting out something new and there's that nagging fear that if you don't have something new out, that people are going to lose interest and move on because there's so many things to choose from, you know? And all that we hear as online creators is consistency, consistency, consistency. Like you need to be consistent. The key to growing on Instagram is to be consistent on your YouTube channel. You need to be dropping your videos at the same time every day because it's just like a TV show that people expect to be able to tune in and watch when you say that you're going to be there. And it just is a lot of pressure. I kind of feel like maybe part of the trouble is that you have these creative thinkers that are running a business. And in order to successfully run a business, you need the logic and the systems to sustain it. And as creative thinkers we're not naturally bent towards the logic and the systems that are needed in order to keep propelling the business. It's like we need a partnership. We need somebody to do that so that we can do the creating. And when you're starting out, and even now, here I am 10 years in, it's not always easy to outsource some of those logic and systems. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Needing to create more in the constant feeling of like, I'm always behind, I will never get caught up was a huge part of why she was feeling like she just didn't have the momentum and the energy to create new content. So Rebecca, what are some of the other points that she covered? Okay, so point number two was all about the negative responses that she was getting. She says, I don't mean to say that I think I'm above criticism or that I've never deserved criticism in my time on the internet. But there are certain things that have worked their way into my psyche and have come to directly affect my ability to work on this channel. She goes on to list off some of the negative comments that she has heard over the years. Criticism about the way she talks, the sound of her voice, the way she pronounces certain words, her appearance, things about her gaining weight or having chubby hands. 
even comments about how she interacts with her husband and others, things about her maturity level and needing to act her age. And she says that sometimes she would sit down to record and those voices would nag so much in her head that she literally couldn't get the words out and would have to say, okay, I can't do this today. I have to turn it all off and try again tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I think that this is very, very common for people who do work online, especially the people who are kind of putting themselves out there in a more personal way. For example, YouTube, it's very like if you create YouTube content where you are on camera, it's obviously very personal. Podcasting can be very personal because you're using your actual voice. Blogging, in a sense, can be because people are dissecting your words and your grammar and, you know, all of the things that you put out there. And it's so easy to so closely identify with what you put out there and you hear negative feedback and it makes you start to really think like, well, you know, all of those things true about me. And again, it can just really zap your energy for putting out new content when you go into that fear-based mindset of like, what are people going to say? I know I've gotten into that trap so easily before of like creating something from the mindset of like, I just don't want you know, I'm so worried that somebody's going to be offended instead of just like, I have a thing I want to say and I want to say it. She's so right that when you sit down to start to create, those are the voices, the negative voices are the ones that start playing in your ear. It's never the ones that are like, you are doing awesome. Thank you so much for what you do. You made a difference in my life. It's like our brains just want to go to that negative talk and there's plenty of it when you work online. Most definitely. And I think something that she says at the very beginning of the section in her blog post that's even more poignant than anything else about the criticism is that she acknowledges the positivity of her community, which I think is something that you and I probably can resonate with a lot. So she says, I want to preface this by saying that I think on the whole, you guys as viewers and we as a community are pretty positive bunch. I've enjoyed my time talking and joking with so many of you and your good eggs. I think that part of the reason why criticism has hit me so hard is because my guard is down. I get blindsided by negative comments and remarks sometimes. And yes, 100%, I relate to that. I have come to expect that there are trolls on the internet that there are going to be jerks who say negative things. And I look at some accounts that people, colleagues of mine have that are larger accounts than mine, that they end up getting negative comments, criticism, flat out bullyish type uh, commentary. And I'm like, well, but that doesn't happen to me. But then I get like one negative comment or one slight criticism or somebody sending me a DM that is slightly questioning my motives or like why I'm choosing to do something this way instead of that way. And then I'm like, oh, oh no, like this can happen to me too. And it just hits me so much harder, I think, because I'm not expecting it because it's so rare, but then it like slaps me across the face and it's hard to let go of that. Yes. Definitely. It really is hard to let go of. We've all heard that for every like five positive things that you hear, the one negative, like it takes five positives to outweigh a negative or something like that. I can't remember what the numbers were. But I think that too, it can be really hard for people who work in the online space. And and I would not say that any of us consider ourselves, or many of us don't consider ourselves to be celebrities of any kind, but it's kind of that thing too with celebrities. Like, well, if you didn't want people to gossip about you in the gossip magazines, you shouldn't have been famous. (laughs) You know, like that's just part of your career that you've chosen. And I do think that sometimes online creators can also feel like I shouldn't even complain about this. I did choose to work in a public space. I put myself out there. My family, you know, is out there. And so to some extent, we feel like this is just part of our career choice. And I guess in a matter of way of thinking, it kind of is, but it doesn't make the negative feedback you know, hurt any less or sting any less when you hear it. And again, she has millions of subscribers. So I'm sure that, you know, just looking at the numbers, there's going to be so much more potential for people to be nitpicky about this thing or that. And it is kind of something that just goes along with 
reaching a lot of people, some of those people aren't going to have a a great response back. Yeah, it's like the negative of the success. And I experienced this recently where I posted something on TikTok of me in my bathing suit and it got a lot of views in a very short amount of time. And I started panicking because I was like, okay, wait, because like on TikTok, you can go viral with your like first video. And I was like, oh, yeah, is this going to go viral? And it's of me and my swimsuit. What did I just open myself up to? And it's not that I don't want to have success. It's like you're scared of the negativity that can come from it. And then thankfully, the views like slowed way down to like a screeching halt. And I almost had this sense of relief of like, okay. It's not going viral. It's fine. <laughs> I, it's fine. Let me go viral for something else, but please not my rear end in a swimsuit. <laughs> <laughs> I can identify with the fact that that might be a little bit scary to go viral about. Yes, for sure. Well, she talks about a couple of other points that I just want to hit really quickly. She talks specifically about some of the isolation and loneliness that she and Tyler feel. They live in LA right now and neither of them are from LA, like many young people who began to see a lot of success on YouTube because there's all kinds of studio and production, all kinds of things that you can do in LA. Lots of people who are involved in the YouTube industry have moved to LA. Neither of them are from there. And so, you know, it weighs on you after a while to be so far separated from your family. And then of course, when the quarantine hit and that living in LA is a hot spot, they felt uncomfortable traveling. I thought that was really relatable for a lot of people. Living away from family can really drag you down and really, you know, squash your creative thinking and your just motivation to do the work that you used to love to do. But I wanted to talk a little bit, Rebecca, about the fact that just working online can be really isolating. One of my favorite things about being a teacher was, you know, definitely I loved interacting with the students and I love teaching the material, but the community, the camaraderie, of having, you know, a teacher on either side of your classroom that you could go and visit with real quick in the hallway between classes and, you know, going to lunch on teacher in-service days and, you know, end of the year teacher parties, that sense of camaraderie that you, you know, these are not necessarily people that you would have like necessarily gone everywhere to choose to be friends, but you work together and you have that commonality and there was the inside jokes. Just working with people was so fun and working in an online space, a lot of times, unless you are lucky enough to have team members that you work with in person, it can be a little isolating. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely have great relationships with people that I consider my work colleagues, but it's also different because we're not necessarily all on the same team. I mean, here at Sorta Awesome, we are on the same team, but then I think about people that I look up to in like the Instagram realm or the blogging realm. And we're all working on our own separate things. And even within podcasting, like my podcasting colleagues, like beyond sort of awesome, we all have our own thing and we're not working on some big collective thing. And so we're isolated in our own thing. And then we're not seeing each other on a daily basis. I mean, maybe we see their picture on Instagram, but we're not bumping into each other in the halls, like you said. We're not talking to each other and like sharing meals with each other. We have to purposely seek out the relationship and the connections. And that just has a different feel to it than a regular colleague that you're in person with. Yes, absolutely. It's so true. There's just a different dynamic there. And for all the fun, and we're going to talk about some of the fun things that we love about working online here in just a little bit. But, and you and I are both really extroverted people. And so, yeah, it's kind of one of the downsides for sure. Another thing that she kind of talks about too, that I know a lot of us can relate to is she calls it the general quarantine blues. Rebecca, why don't you say more about that? Because I know the quarantine blues have hit you and you've even talked about that on the show before, that it has impacted your just sort of quality of life. Like many of us, right? this quarantine has really had an impact on life on the daily Right. So here are Sophia's words. She says, I feel like I've fallen into my own thoughts and emotions, and it's taken me months to figure out how to get myself out of that hole. I've had such a hard time waking up in the morning, getting out of bed, getting my day started and feeling productive. 
it feels like what little structure and routine I had just flew out the window and the days started melting away. Yes, yes, yes. I can resonate with that so much. Yep. I had Mm -hmm. a regular routine. My children were in school. My son was taking a nap. This is when I sat down to work. Every Tuesday night, I went to the coffee shop and put in some hours of my work. I haven't had my regular Tuesday night since March. I mean, I still am not like I literally never figured out how to get myself my one night a week in quarantine. How is this possible? We're all home together all the time. And I never figured out. I never sat down with my husband to sit down and say, hey, Tuesday nights aren't happening for me. What can we do instead? That never happened. How did that never happen? Well, stress, quarantine stress, right? Like pandemic stress. It's just like it feels like a blanket that we carry around with ourselves all the time. And some days it slips over our heads. And it's just completely suffocating and overwhelming. Other days we can poke our heads out and feel like we're getting some fresh air, but the weight of it is still there. And it's just, it's just a new normal that we're having to live with. And it's hard to shape our old life back into this new thing. So I don't know. I just resonated a lot with what she had to say. Yeah, totally. And I think that that totally makes sense to think about. She was already, you know, feeling so down about some other issues. And then you throw in the quarantine and it's a recipe for just really kind of feeling like you're going under a little bit. I relate. And I know so many of you awesomes who are listening relate to that so much too. Maybe it's affected your actual work. Maybe it hasn't, but all of us you know, just the concept of the days just melting away. Like, I cannot believe that we are in September because it feels like life has been on hold since March, but yet time has marched on. And so, yeah, it's been a rough go for all of us. So she goes on her post, which of course we'll link to in the show notes if you guys wanted to read it, to talk about some adjustments that they're making to be able to get back into production mode and all of that. So We wanted to talk a little bit about what is actually awesome about working in the online space. So Rebecca and I are going to do that here in just a few minutes when we come back from these quick words from our sponsors. Awesomes with all that is going on, school decisions, career changes, pandemic fatigue, a lot of us are feeling anxious or stressed or depressed. I know it can be hard to find a doctor to talk to, especially now. The thought of finding a new doctor feels really overwhelming. That's why I recommend Plush Care. Plush Care knows your mental health is just as important as your physical health. Their primary care physicians are here for you seven days a week to help you start feeling better as soon as possible. In addition to being primary care physicians who handle ongoing and urgent care, they also treat a wide variety of common mental health issues like anxiety, depression, stress, or even just having trouble sleeping. So if you are feeling down, worried, or if you know you're just not feeling like yourself, you can actually book a same day appointment and see a plush care doctor right from the comfort of your home using your phone or a computer. They are going to discuss treatment options with you. They will have any prescriptions that you need sent right to your local pharmacy whenever you need them. Plush care does accept most major insurance carriers and it is available in all 50 states. Plush Care makes it easier than ever to take care of yourself inside and out. Start your membership today. Go to plushcare.com slash awesome to start your free 30-day trial. That's P-L-U-S-H-C-A-R-E.com slash awesome for a free 30-day trial. Plushcare.com slash awesome. Okay, friends, we all know that life is full of tough choices and trade-offs. Your beauty routine, what you put on your body every day, should not be one of them. Given what's going on in the world, why not focus on your skin and health? True Botanicals products can be calming during these stressful times and are delivered straight to your door. They're filled with natural, organic ingredients, and True Botanicals skin and body products deliver results without toxins, so you can feel good while you're working from home. True Botanicals uses both the latest scientific advances and centuries-old botanical extracts to create all-natural formulas in their products like their hydrating face cleansers, face oils for aging, breakout-prone and sensitive skin, and nutrient-packed serums perfect for your at-home self-care routine. 
Every True Botanicals formula is made safe certified without 5,000 known toxic ingredients. But unlike most non-toxic products, True Botanicals solutions actually do work to repair your skin issues. They have worked with researchers at leading universities to identify nourishing botanical extracts rich in antioxidants, vitamins, essential fatty acids, and more to develop potent formulas that work better than leading beauty brands. True Botanicals has conducted independent clinical studies, and in both trials, True Botanicals outperformed Creme de la Mer products. Whether you're looking for an effective anti-aging regime, or if you're seeking a sensitive skin-safe solution, you're battling pregnancy hormones or struggling with acne-prone skin, True Botanicals has a natural formulation that will protect you and nourish your skin. You have just got to try True Botanicals for yourself. Get 15% off of your first purchase at truebotanicals.com slash awesome. Get 15% off of your first purchase at truebotanicals.com slash awesome. Truebotanicals.com slash awesome. Okay, Rebecca, well, you know, it's sort of awesome. We don't want to have everything be on a like downer note. There are many things that both of us love about working online or else we wouldn't be doing it after all of these years. (laughs) (laughs) It's the best. It really is. It really, really is. It really is. One of the huge things that I know I love, I'm sure you can relate to this, is the flexibility that working online affords us. Both you and I have had babies while Sort of Awesome has been in production. And we were able to, you know, work around, accommodate our schedules around that. So big life events are easier to work around, but also daily stuff. Like we tried to record this episode yesterday and technology just was not being our friend. So we're like, you know what? Let's just try it tomorrow. Exactly. But I know as P-types in the Myers-Briggs system, we like our flexibility. So I'm sure this resonates with you as well. I love that I have control over my own schedule. I love that I do not have to literally hit a time clock when I'm going in and out of my day. Now, the downside to that is that then sometimes work can like bleed over. You end up working a lot of hours. You know, boundaries can be kind of blurred a little bit. Like there is some benefit to being able to clock out and literally turn your brain off to things. But I just love that. It's not stressful for me if a kid ends. Well, it is stressful. I shouldn't say that. If a kid ends up being sick and they're not home from school or they're home from school. Yeah, that is stressful. But it's not it's not a crisis. It's not an emergency. Like I have the flexibility to work my life around my job. Yes, absolutely. And that I think that is one of the reasons that a lot of people start in online work and stay on online work. It's very you see a lot of women who once they enter into the family, raising family, raising kid years, move to some kind of an online work situation because of that flexibility. It just, it offers a lot for people in all different kinds of seasons of life. Another reason that I love it, and I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, but I really do love the capacity that you have to use your voice. Now we do that in a very physical way, obviously with a podcast, but There's all different kinds of ways, like writers and bloggers, they're putting their voice out there through their words. Definitely YouTube creators, you know, in a sense, like TikTok creators and Instagram influencers, they have the opportunity to, in some way, use their voice, put their voice out there to create conversations, to add to conversations. And I don't know that there are a lot of industries where you really get that opportunity. Well, how do you feel about that? Having done both blogging and podcasting for so long. Yes, I think there is the amazing capability to take your mission and present it to the world. Like you get to pick your mission that you want to stand behind. The term influencer is really big now. And I think it makes a lot of people cringe, but it's also really accurate. Like you truly have the potential to influence an audience And what you do with that is quite powerful. And it's really a huge privilege and blessing to be able to speak into the lives of others. And maybe it's something as simple as this is a really awesome first birthday or first Christmas gift for your little one. And you can like give that guidance to a new mom. Maybe it's that simple. 
or maybe it's something more powerful, like speaking into somebody about your struggles with your faith or your struggles with body positivity and clinging onto that or issues of racial injustice and being able to say, I see you, I hear you, you have value and you have purpose in your life too. go out and get it, go out and do what you've been created to do. There's a lot of power in that. And it's really, it's such a privilege to have that. It truly is. I absolutely agree with every word. And, you know, thinking of the mission and message that you can put out there, that is absolutely the driving force for me for years of creating Sort of Awesome. And just at a moment when I was starting to wonder, like, how much longer do we think we'll be able to do this? I like got a fresh wind of renewed encouragement and enthusiasm and belief that like, oh my gosh, our mission of really focusing on finding and celebrating the awesome in everyday life, it's, I really feel like it's so much more important than it ever has been. And that completely reinvigorated my idea of like what sort of awesome can be and really wanting to expand sort of awesome media to move beyond to, you know, of course have our main show, our big thing, which is sort of awesome, the podcast, but to see what other areas of life we can be reaching into to help deliver our message of becoming an awesome for yourself and for the world around you to the world. So it's obviously very huge benefit for me. Another benefit being that creativity factor. I started sort of awesome after coming out of a long, difficult, dark season of postpartum depression after our twins were born. And to be able to do something creative, to teach myself something that I'd never learned before and to do something that allows me to express myself creatively every single week has been a huge, huge gift. And I know, Rebecca, that's why so many people who are in the online space end up there. Like you were saying earlier, a lot of us are creative people by nature. And so we end up online creating things. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I look back to an office job that I had as an administrative assistant when I first got married. And I left that job because I felt like my creative soul was dying. Like those are literal words that I said to my husband and to my family about my pursuit to try something different because I just felt like there was this part of me that wasn't being watered. I wasn't blossoming. I wasn't blooming. And I instead, I was just shriveling up and dying inside (laughs) And I think there's like, there are people who is literally part of their personality that this is like a huge importance for them. But then even those who are maybe more of the logical thinker types, like there's still like, I think all of us have this part inside of us that we need to be creating something. We need to explore different things. We need to be challenged in different ways. And the online world really is a place for us to do that. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely agree. It's so great. Last thing I wanted to talk about was the connection that working online offers. This is sort of the other side of the coin of the isolation part because it can be lonely, but at the same time, working in an online space and making connections online, you get to meet and get to know through the online space, so many people that you never would have come across if you were, you know, only limited to your in-person community around you. We have seen this happen in the Hangout group for years, people making connections. I mean, look how many podcasts have started because the hosts met because they were awesomes in the Hangout group together. That's so incredible that people who never would have crossed paths otherwise can come together and find each other, find their people, and then new things grow from there. I absolutely love that connection part. I mean, just like our friendship. You know, we started in a Facebook group together and have worked together side by side for years, even though we're not in the same physical space. Most definitely. It's incredible. I feel like especially, okay, so this was the case a little bit with my blog too, but especially stepping into the podcast and exploring different parts of my personality that didn't necessarily fit the formula of my blog. I feel like doing that and doing that, I kind of was like, we send up flares into the internet universe. We send up flares of being like, hey, I'm a Bachelor Nation fan. Come, who else is there? <laughs> who wants to join me on this train? Yep. And, you know, we can send up flares about all these different things. And like, I think about you with like, 
Hamilton and like back in the old OG days of Sword of Awesome, The Good Wife. And you're like, hey, this is what I'm interested in. Who wants to join me? Who wants to come on the ride with me? And it is so fun to be able to send up those flares and like attract the people that share those same interests with you. It's the best. I love that so much. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. So awesome. So thankful, genuinely deep in my bones, grateful and thankful for the work that we get to do online, even though it does come with things that, you know, can kind of set you back a little bit. It is absolutely, totally worth it. So Rebecca, thank you for processing through all of this with me. This was a good conversation for me to kind of work through some of the things that she brought up because I just, you know, really... Every single thing that she wrote in that post, Sophia, I was like, oh my gosh, girl. Yes, I get it. I understand where you're coming from. So most definitely. And I can't wait to hear from other awesomes about how they resonate with this too, especially people who are not working in more of a creative type of job or don't consider themselves to have a creative type of personality. I think that burnout certainly happens too for like, I don't know, doctors, mathematicians, like certainly like some of these other people are also experiencing burnout. I just wonder, how does it look different for you? Like, are you as riddled with self-doubt and insecurity as us creative types tend to be of thinking, well, I'm not enough. Instead, I kind of wonder, do you think instead like, oh, this job just isn't right for me anymore rather than I'm not good enough for this job anymore, which I think is like the theme that I hear so often in so many of these conversations about online burnout, because there, guys, there's a lot of them. This is just an example of one, but these messages are being sent out through YouTube and well, a lot in YouTube, I hear them. But yeah, I'm just curious to hear from you guys too about what does burnout look like and feel like in your different roles that you have? Absolutely, yes. I agree with Rebecca a thousand percent. We want to hear from all of our awesomes about this topic. So Rebecca, since we're talking about it, where can people find you if they're looking for you all around the web? Well, my website is simplyrebecca.com, but then you can also find me on social media everywhere. I am at Simply Rebecca. Well, you guys know you can find me anywhere at Sorta Awesome Meg. And if you have comments or something that you want to talk about, or if you just want to participate in all of the awesome things, of course, you can join us, like we said, on Facebook or Instagram. We're on TikTok and YouTube. You can get your daily dose of awesome from Awesome Today. I'm Meg Teets, and this is Sorta Awesome. The Sorta Awesome Show is a production of Sorta Awesome Media, the company that is all about knowing a big part of being awesome is having the strength to be vulnerable sometimes. So thank you guys for listening. We'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.